Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Let's go ahead and jump into where we're going to be today. Um, Last week, as we shared, it marked the beginning of a three-week season, if you would, of fasting prayer and reading God's Word. And not to re-preach the message, but we talked about and emphasized what, that prayer is how we connect to God and fasting is how we disconnect from the world or the things that the enemy uses to distract us. If you remember the story that we looked at is when the disciples went to heal or cast out the demon of the, from the child, they went to Jesus because they couldn't do it. And so admittedly, they said, Jesus, something's off. What's wrong? Why can't we accomplish what you've sent us to accomplish? And and what we tried to relate our own selves to was we all go through seasons in our relationship with God that it just seems like something's off. And as I said last week, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but this has hurt mine as well. If something's off between you and God, God's not the problem. God's never the problem. We're the problem. And Jesus discloses this when the disciples pulled him over to the side and said, Jesus, what's wrong? Why can't we do this? Jesus tells them, he's already told them that they're an unbelieving and a perverse generation. And as we talked last week, that, that unbelieving literally means they're disconnected. They're unfaithful to their relationship with Jesus for that period of time. Then he calls them perverse, or some of your Bibles probably say perverted. That literally means to be simply off track, off course, not on the right path. So he's saying, you're you're not connected to me, and you're way too connected to the world. But then Jesus quickly gives them how to fix it. He says, you fix this through prayer and fasting. You fix this by connecting to me and disconnecting yourselves from the world. Now, the enemy uses, and I think we can all agree with this, the enemy uses distractions of our flesh to hinder our spiritual. And what I wanna do is to simply look at an example from God's word today of how the enemy did the exact same thing with Jesus. He did the exact same thing with Jesus. He attempted to create a a distraction in Jesus' life to get him off course, to get him off the path of why God had sent him here. Now, as we talk about this today, there's there's something that we all have to understand, that yes, while Jesus is 100% God, especially in today's context, we also have to remember that Jesus was 100%. 100% man. He was 100% man, which means 
that he was tempted in all the same ways you and I are. He dealt with all the same temptations that you and I do. Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, you don't have to turn there, but listen with what it says. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Jesus overcame what we can't. But Jesus, it says in his word that he's been tempted in every way that we have. And so today what you're gonna see is the enemy is going to attempt to distract Jesus's flesh to hinder his spiritual. Because the enemy knew that if he could pervert Jesus's course, if he could get him off track, that he could hinder the work of God in Jesus's life but not only that, but through Jesus's life. Do you realize that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to every child of God? He wants to get us off track to hinder God's work in our life and yet through our life. And he simply wants to do it by distracting us by being sensitive to our flesh, by tempting us with our flesh. And so what today's about, today's gonna be another reason that I want you to see the practical side of prayer and fasting. I want you to understand what the good of prayer and fasting is all about. And so I pray today that as a child of God, you're encouraged when you leave. But I also want you to know when we look at the story of Jesus, Jesus, we're gonna see in just a moment, has just come out of a season of prayer and fasting preparing for the battle that he was about to enter. 2024, it'll be a battle. And I believe that this season of prayer and fasting and reading God's word is preparing us for what God has in, in store for us. So in Matthew chapter four, start reading with me in verse one. Matthew chapter four, verse one, it says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Many of you can probably say, I'm hangry. I'm hungry, whatever your terminology is. But Jesus, again, being 100% man, has just fasted for 40 days, and you guessed it. He's hungry. He is ready to eat. Because Jesus was aware of the battle that he was about to face, he took time to prepare for what he was about to go into. And that preparation was a season of getting connected to his father and yet turning away from the distractions of the world. Keep reading. Verse three. Then the tempter, Satan himself, approached him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus, he answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of a temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you 
And they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus told him, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Verse eight, again, the devil took him very high, on a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all of these things if you will just fall down and worship me. Verse 10, and then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and the angels came and they began to serve him. Before we look at all three of these temptations, all three of these situations, there's one thing that I wanna make you aware of that we accomplish or that we maybe even receive through the act of prayer and fasting and reading God's word. You see, as we fast, as we disconnect ourselves from the world, and as we connect ourselves back to God, maybe we've been afar off from him, what we begin to experience that as we draw closer to him, our ability to discern what the enemy is up to is made much clearer. The closer we get to God, the more our ability to discern the enemy's work becomes more clear and more apparent for us to recognize. And so we see, yes, while he's Jesus, he's 100% God, he's also 100% man. What we learn is that as a result of prayer and fasting, Jesus very quickly discerned what the enemy was up to. And for a lot of us, through this season of prayer and fasting, yes, we're wanting to connect to God. We're wanting to be close to him. But for some of us, what we need to accomplish out of this is the ability to discern what the enemy's trying to do to you in your life. The distractions that he's throwing at you. Your ability to recognize the sneakiness of the enemy because you do realize he's not obvious. He wants to be sneaky. He wants to lure you in. He wants to suck you into a trap so that his claws can be on you. Because there's some things in life that if we recognize them, they would be very, very um, in a place where we knew to avoid it. That's not how the enemy works. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. And so as we draw closer to God, it gives us the ability to discern what the enemy is doing to distract us. Fasting increases our sensitivity to God's presence, and at the same time, our awareness of the enemy's schemes are detected. Let me read that one more time. Fasting increases our sensitivity to God's presence, and at the same time, our awareness of the enemy's schemes are detected. So in all these three situations you're gonna see today, number one, Jesus has already recognized what the enemy's up to. He already knows the plans of what Satan is trying to lure him into. But I want you to keep in mind this entire time as we read this passage, I want you to look at Jesus through the lenses of the fact that he's 100% man. Keep that in mind. Keep that on the forefront of your mind as we read these. So not only has Jesus been able to discern what the enemy was up to, but he's now having the ability to fight against the enemy trying to pull him away. I want you to notice what Satan did first. What did the deceiver do first? He tried, number one, he tried to appeal to Jesus' physical desire. 
We just read in the word that he's fasted for 40 days and as a result, he's what? Hungry. And so the first thing the enemy does is he tells him, he, he knows he's hungry. He knows what he's just came out of. And so he tells Jesus, hey, if you're really who you say you are, turn that rock into bread. And what the enemy's up to is he's immediately trying to appeal to Jesus' flesh. He's offering Jesus immediate satisfaction, an immediate cure to this desire of hunger. And he tells him, just turn that rock into bread. Now look, if we wanna be real practical, I don't know that I could be as strong as Jesus right now. Because if the enemy comes to me right now, currently in the moment, my physical condition, and he tells me to turn a rock into a piece of bread, that sucker's gonna be turned into like a red lobster biscuit. It's gonna be a Texas Roadhouse roll with that cinnamon butter beside it. And I'm gonna say, okay, you said so. Because I know how weak my flesh is in this season. That's exactly how the enemy works in all of our lives. In the seasons of our physical exhaustion, our mental exhaustion, our emotional exhaustion, and even in our spiritual exhaustion, the enemy is going to do everything he can to attack your weak spots. He's gonna do everything he can to tap into your areas of weakness. And he's gonna do it by offering you just that instant gratification, that instant satisfaction. And so as we see in Jesus's life, the enemy's already attacking the fleshly desires that Jesus had as 100% man. The next thing, I want you to look that the enemy does. He tries to get Jesus off course by putting him in a tough decision to make. Because remember, the, according to that second temptation, it says that he took Jesus up on a high place, the top, the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, hey, if you really are who you say you are, just, just throw yourself down because the enemy even used the word to come against Jesus. He said, because the word basically says, if you make a mess, God will clean it up. God will fix your bad mistake. And so now Jesus is in a position to where he can make a decision. The enemy's told him to jump off and to force God's hand, or you can stay put. So he's in a place to make a, a tough decision. So Jesus has two choices in front of him. Do I give in to what the enemy's trying to lure me to do and do I jump off and then I call for God to rescue me or do I do what I know I need to do and just stay put and don't do what the enemy's tempting me to do? You see, in 2024, every person in this room is gonna have to make a big decision of some kind. You're gonna to have to make big decisions in 2024. It may be in regards to your job. It may be in regards to your children. It may be in, in, in regards to your workplace. It may be in regards to what school to go to. We're all gonna to have to make big decisions in 2024. And there's often times when big decisions come, we don't ask for God's direction. We just act on our flesh. We'll get our pros and cons list and we'll list out all the goods and the bads and then we will look at which one appears to appeal to our flesh the most and we will jump on it. 
This one makes the most sense. This one's easier. And what we often do is we make decisions based off what our flesh desires rather than what the Holy Spirit of God listens or is leading us to do. And then oftentimes when we follow our flesh, when we make a decision listening to us, I know from experience, oftentimes it creates a mess. It creates a disaster. And then what do we do? We do exactly what the enemy has tempted Jesus to do. Hey, just make the wrong choice. And then when it goes astray, when it turns into a disaster, then you just ask God to bail you out. How many times do we do that? Hey, you know what? I'm gonna do what I wanna do. And no matter what the outcome looks like, I know God loves me enough that God's gonna bail me out of this mess. And then when he doesn't, what do we do? We get mad at God. We get mad at God because he doesn't bail us out of the bad decisions that we make. When he sits there and says, my child, I was willing to give you the right direction, you just didn't ask. Now, it doesn't mean that he's gonna abandon us, but there's often times we're gonna have to live in the consequences of our bad decisions. So going into 2024, don't make a decision based off your flesh and expect God to clean up your mess. What we need to do is to increase our sensitivity and be surrendered to God and say, God, I want your direction in this tough decision. And listen to me, I know from experience, oftentimes the direction God's gonna lead you, the door that God's gonna open, it won't make sense. It will be the hardest door you've ever walked through. And I don't know if you caught this, but in verse one, it says that Jesus was led into the wilderness by what? The Spirit. Jesus was led into a tough spot by the Holy Spirit of God. So don't for one second think that when you do what you feel God's led you to do, don't always assume that it's gonna be the easy path. Because at the end of the day, 90% of the time, it's not. Because in those tough seasons, in those tough decisions, in those impossibilities, this is when our God gets to prove and show his faithfulness to his children. So when we face tough decisions in 2024, fall on your face and ask God, God, where do I go? What do I do? What does this look like? And always keep in mind, that the direction that the Lord leads you is not always gonna be the easiest path. But he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. So we've seen already the enemies have tried to appeal to Jesus' flesh. He's tried to get him off track with throwing a tough decision in his lap. And then the last thing this one's almost comical to me. I can't read it without laughing. Then it goes on to say that he takes Jesus up to the top of the mountain. And now I'm obviously paraphrasing, and he takes the Son of God, the creator of the universe, and says, look, Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, all this can be yours. <laughs> you idiot. Now let's go back to this is 100% God. 
This is creator God, the one that has created everything that they're looking at. And Jesus, or the enemy says, hey, Jesus, by the way, if you'll worship me, all this can be yours. You just wonder, did Jesus go, really? Really? But what I don't want you to miss here is that Satan will always offer us what he doesn't even possess to give us. He will always offer us what he doesn't possess to give us. He's gonna offer you peace. He's gonna offer you happiness. He's gonna offer you joy. He's gonna offer you security. So he's gonna offer you the very thing that he doesn't even possess or know. And I love this. This is something God laid on my heart. He's gonna promise you victory, but he's defeated. He's gonna promise you hope, but he's hopeless. He's gonna promise you truth, but he's a liar. He's gonna promise you life, but he is death. And I'm gonna read that one more time because I'm not necessarily that person that tries to drive your emotions, but somebody needs to hear that this morning right where you're at. That the enemy will promise you victory, but he's defeated. The enemy will promise you hope, but he's hopeless. The enemy will promise you truth, but he's a liar, and he promises you life, but he's death. Aren't you thankful that this is the God we serve, that he possesses everything the enemy doesn't? So Satan cannot give you what he doesn't possess. And so for every human being in this room, for all of us, no matter where you're at, no matter if you have a relationship with Jesus or not, every one of us, I don't want you to ever forget this, that the joy, the peace, the hope, the security that you long for will never be found apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything that we are hardwired to long for, the Son of God is the only one that can provide it. And so as we see here, what I also want you to know that maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Brian, I'm a child of God. Listen to me. You still have maybe a season of where you're longing for peace. You're longing for joy. You're longing for security and hope. Listen to me, child of God. You already possess it. It's already yours. So when the enemy offers you all of these things, it's as simple as looking at the enemy right in the eyes and saying, you can't give me what I already have. And what I already have has been given me through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And it's mine. I possess it. But you see what fasting and prayer does? Is it takes us back to a place where we're reminded of what we possess. Of what is ours. What we have access to. 
And so as we've seen thus far, the enemy's doing everything he can to get Jesus off course. He's appealed to his flesh. He's put a tough decision in his lap. He's offering him what he doesn't even have to give him. And what you have to understand that that is the same thing that each and each one of us are going to face potentially every day of our life. The enemy's going to do everything he can to get you off course. He's going to appeal to your flesh. He's going to put tough decisions in front of you, and he's going to offer you the world. He's going to offer you the very thing that he doesn't have to give. But through Jesus' 40 days of prayer and fasting, he now has the ability to not only to discern what the enemy's up to, but now he knows exactly what to fight with. Now he knows exactly how to combat the work of the enemy. If you read in Ephesians chapter six, Paul writes about the armor of God. And if you read it, if you look into the armor of God, you'll know that every piece that was talked about was used for defense. But there's one weapon that was told to be used in the offensive, and it was the sword of the spirit. It was the word of God. And as we look at all three times the enemy comes at Jesus, Jesus' response is he didn't say, hey, let's go. He didn't knock him out. He pulled out the sword of truth. He pulled out the word of God because every time the enemy tempted, every time the enemy came at him, Jesus stated, it is written. He fought back with the word of God. And this is why it is imperative then in this season of prayer and fasting, that it's not limited to prayer and fasting. This is why it is so very important that you are committing not only to fast, not only to pray, not only to be here for the next three weeks, but to read the word of God every single day. And here's the encouragement that I wanna give you. I love this, I had never noticed this, and I don't even want you to read along with me. I wanna read it so you can catch what's going here. I want you to listen, not only at what Jesus' response his was, but I want you to see if you can catch what the enemy's response was. Verse four, this is the first temptation. He's tempted him, Jesus responds. He answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the verse, first part of verse five, then the devil took him to a holy city. Then in verse seven, in response to the second temptation, Jesus told him, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Verse eight, the enemy says, again, the devil took him somewhere else. Then you look at verse 10. Then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him. Verse 11, then the devil left him. I don't know if you caught what's going on here. But every single time Jesus pulled out the sword of truth, every time Jesus told the enemy, it is written, he knew that he was defeated, so he moved on to something else. Right when Jesus said, it is written, he took him somewhere else to do something else. The second time when he pulled out, it is written, the enemy took him up to a high place. 
And so every time the enemy heard, it is written, every time he heard the word of God spoken, he knew that in that he had already lost. He knew that he didn't stand a chance because he knows he has no authority, no power over the living, breathing word of God. The enemy said, I don't stand a chance, so I'm gonna move on. And I've really wrestled with where to share this because this is one of those things that I just have to share from experience. And, and maybe you may think, well, this is just weird. Many of you have heard our story with our oldest son, Brock. I can remember being in a hospital room in the darkest, lowest season of my life, not knowing if my four-year-old boy was gonna live. And obviously as a parent, you're overwhelmed with the weight of the unknown. And for me, I never necessarily wrestled with depression or anxiety or the weight, but I can honestly say that I felt a tangible weight on my shoulders and it's almost as if somebody was just standing on my chest. Because as a dad, I didn't know what to do. And I remember I had heard a pastor say, Brian, the word of God is the one thing the enemy can't come against. And so as I'm sitting on the couch right beside my son's bed in the hospital, I remember sitting there and I remember just not even being able to breathe. And I looked over on the, on the table beside me and there was my Bible. And it was closed. And with tears in my eyes, I said, God, I know this is the enemy pressing on me. I know the enemy is overwhelming me with doubt and with fear. But God, I know that the enemy fears your word. And so church, honest before God. Now look, I'll have to stand accountable for this example. But I literally remember with tears in my eyes, I reached over and I grabbed God's word. And I just simply opened it. Now, this was not one of those glorious moments where a passage was highlighted and I went, oh, yeah. Literally, I opened the word of God and the weight on my chest was gone. Because I believe the enemy and all of his demons they saw the power of the living, breathing word of God. They said, we don't stand a chance. And you know, I was a middle school teacher at the time, so I'm very adolescent minded. And so I literally sat there and I would shut it and put it back. And all of a sudden, the weight of the world began to collapse again. Okay. Open the word of God. And the enemy fleed. You see, that's exactly what Jesus has exemplified. Every time he pulled out the sword of the spirit, the enemy had to move on to something else. I knew that God's word, my faith was increased because I knew the power was in it. But I had never experienced it. I had never lived it. But the enemy knows in all of our lives, this is the important part of us hiding God's word in our heart 
is that today when you go home and you face temptation, you face a decision, the enemy's offering you the world, say it is written. And whatever passage of scripture it is in your heart, pull it out and fight with it. The enemy already knows he's defeated. So in 2024, I'm not trying to be the Debbie Downer today, but I want you to know and be aware that every one of us are gonna experience exactly what Jesus has experienced. The enemy's gonna come at you in the seasons of exhaustion in 2024, and he's gonna appeal to your flesh. And you know what your flesh is gonna say? I deserve it. I've been working so hard. I've been putting in extra hours. I've been in a tough season. So you know what? I deserve this. Look, last night, I thought I deserved a T-bone. <laughs> I did. I, for a moment, I went, you know what? God will give me grace for two hours. Then I had to remember the words of Tommy Duncan. We gotta love God more than food. <laughs> but it's in those moments of weakness that the enemy comes at our flesh. But there's somebody that needs to hear this. In that moment of weakness to your flesh, you can lose your marriage. You can lose your home. You can lose your children. Don't listen to your flesh. So we're all gonna face seasons of exhaustion. We're all gonna have to make tough decisions. And the enemy's gonna do everything he can to lure you off. He's gonna do everything he can to influence your decision. But then we look at the last temptation of Jesus where the enemy took him on the mountaintop and said, it can all be yours. We're all gonna have mountaintop seasons in 2024. And the enemy's gonna continue to offer you the world. Don't ever forget, he can't offer you what, you what he doesn't possess. He can't give you what he doesn't have. And so as we fast and as we pray and as we read for the next two weeks now, be encouraged that you now are empowered to discern the work of the enemy and how he distracts you. Oh, but also be confident. Be confident in the power of God's word that you have hid in your heart because Satan's already defeated. He doesn't stand a chance against the living, breathing word of God. And so this morning, I don't, 
honestly don't really know what the call to response is. But as we look at all three of these situations, probably for the majority of us, one of them struck home already and you're what? We're two weeks into 2024. And because of circumstances at home or in the family or sickness or death, you can say, well, Brian, I'm already physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted in 2024. Maybe you would already say, hey, I know without a doubt, I've got a big decision to make already in 2024. Or maybe the enemy's already offered you the world in 2024. What I want to encourage you to do as a child of God today is to bring that weakness, bring that decision, bring that temptation to the foot of the cross and say, God, I need you. I need you. I need your direction. I need your strength. Because God, I know I can't do this in my flesh. Or maybe today you're here and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. It's as simple as what the word of God says. Repent, turn from your ways. Quit listening to you and listen to him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And always celebrate when somebody does. Wednesday night, on a Wednesday night Bible study, three ladies prayed to receive Christ this past week. They walked in undone. And they walked out born again. If the Spirit of God is drawing you this morning to himself, don't hesitate. But whatever it is that you know you're going to face in 2024 already, let's bring it to the feet of Jesus and say, God, I need you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org nextsteps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. 
and that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.